Welcome to Cough Stealing with E. Marquez here. Um, we will be doing Whiskey Wine Friday today. It's the whiskey, the best of the best, Buffalo Trace bourbon. And the 2017 Robert Mondavi Private Selection Cabernet Sauvignon, aged in bourbon barrels. Proof that whiskey and wine are a great combination. So look for that later on. Um, I will I will start off with a segment that touches a little bit of everything. Uh, not nothing really great happening this week. Maybe a, a free agent signing and this and that. But as in gameplay, games have been really dull. Almost like the winners are supposed to be winning. So pay attention. Um, you can smooth through it. But next week episode, next week's shows are gonna be loaded with some streaming. Some shows that I find uh, interesting, toys and how they're made and the uh, what they're made of and the brilliance of the sculpture and all this stuff. Because if you know that there's a show on Netflix called The Toys That Made Us, they explain the little things about how they made these toys back in the day. But uh, Robert Mondavi, Private Selection Cabernet Seven Young, it's a cherry red toasty vanilla brown sugar um you know i don't taste none of this blackberry cherry or blackberry i don't know black cherry blackberry i don't i don't get into that i don't know much about that the uh interesting note that i hear is bourbon glazed grilled ribs a charcuterie board none of that stuff to me it's a perfect blend and it's perfect to what i've been saying that whiskey and wine go together. Like you can have it in a setting. Matter of fact, today, um, the whiskey and wine, I'm gonna test out a new whiskey wine on sat on Saturday. And um, I'm gonna give it a new, I'm gonna give it a shot out and about to see how it is. But again, 14.5% alcohol by volume is this uh Robert Mondavi. And it's a tasty, tasty um it's it's really good i mean you can't go wrong i know the prices that i've gotten it for i've seen it for anywhere from nine bucks to 14 bucks depends where you get it but it is remarkable it's remarkable um buffalo trace buffalo trace is my favorite buffalo trace is what is my go-to it's my everything you can do everything with buffalo trace you can sip it neat you can sip it under rocks you can have it in a cup you can have it in a snifter you can have it in a shot glass it's brilliant it's brilliant here in one of the descriptions that i've seen it says one of the most decorated bourbons of all time buffalo trace bourbon hails from kentucky yeah me and my boys were at the distillery this year which is fantastic it says here where master distributors have been bottling for over 200 years now They've been bottling bourbon, but not necessarily Buffalo Trace. Because if I'm not mistaken, and I could be wrong, Buffalo Trace is fairly new. Buffalo Trace bourbon, the liquor is fairly new. And it continues. If you've been looking for bourbon with history, you found it. Buffalo Trace is the oldest continuously operating distillery in the nation. 
and even stayed open during prohibition. Bourbon is medicine after all. Hence, hey, if there's a correlation, you know, marijuana now and bourbon then, hey, hey, I don't know. I'm not a pot smoker, so. But um, the thing, the thing of this Buffalo Trace is that I'm telling you, it's been made, it, the Buffalo Trace distillery has been back in the day. You know, they do Blanton's, they do... So I continue. Um, I got to look up. I got to find out exactly when Buffalo Trace started making Buffalo Trace bourbon. But here in the descriptions that I was reading you, um, every bottle of Buffalo Trace is 90 proof. That makes it ideal for sipping slowly or mixing it to your favorite cocktails. Like I said, known as an easy drinking bourbon. It's fantastic. It's really good. Uh, on the nose, you get sweet caramel. You get... Uh, honey and citrus you also notice the refreshing hint of mint i do do i do smell that mint for me uh before you taste this bourbon mellow toffee brown sugar and rye i don't know what that is but the finish shines a spotlight on buffalo trace oak barrels and ends with a bang want to unwind put yourself a pour yourself a glass of buffalo trace and enjoy it neat jazz it up with some club soda or ginger ale that's what i like it ginger ale i like that lemonade also or make it a real party and mix into a classic bourbon cocktail like an old-fashioned bourbon ricky, a mint julep, or a hot toddy. Buy Buffalo Trace bourbon uh, whenever you get it. Now, the price that I see usually goes for about $28, $27. Bucks, but I've seen it go as high as $31. I've seen it high as going $36. I've seen those places. Um, in, in, in my whole thing, I mean... It's the best. It it, 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 it it blows you away. It's simple. It's it, it's so it's affordable. Here's some of the um other bourbons that are there. Um uh, George T. Stag, uh old they're, they're distilleries in the um uh there's distilleries that are owned that were owned by uh, the Sazerac company. They also do Sazerac there. Um, I mean, it, it's it's incredible. They, um, they've done so much. Here you go, uh, Coe, uh, it's E.H. Uh, e. Taylor. They got Eagle Rare. George T. Stag is what I was looking for before. Um, um, the Benchmark. Benchmark is basically a straight bourbon mixing drink. I think it's about four years, three years old. It's not even that much. Um... The Sazerac, like I tell you, W.L. Weller is, is, is distilled there. Pappy Van Winkle, Old Van Winkle. You're going to hear some of these coming up in the future episodes. But right now, Buffalo Trace bourbon is it. Get yourself a bottle, and you need to have it in your case. That's a must. You have your you have your Bacardi, Dunku, your Buffalo Trace, your, your Jose Cuervo, or... You know, whatever tequila, Buffalo Trace needs to be in there. Needs to be in there. Get it. As you know, bourbon barrels can only be used once. So after they're used once, they have to be shipped out or sold off or whatever. They cannot be reused. 
every bourbon is made with new barrels, new new scorched or new oak flamed barrels, whatever the case. But it's got to be new, never reused. Um, I believe it might be all whiskeys if I'm not mistaken, but I know bourbon is like that. So they sell them off to these wineries, and these wineries put their, uh, you know, put their uh, wines in there. Now, it could be that um, wines, you know, I don't know if they reuse barrels or whatever, but they have, they want that bourbon kind of husk or that, that bourbon aroma in there to get with their grapes and so this bourbon barrel select wine is really good and it's proof and it's proof that whiskey and wine go together like i've been telling you anyway once the one part i do want to talk about is how the chicago bears brass cannot tell us fans chicago bears fans anything about quarterbacks now matt Nagy should say listen chicago bears fans yeah you're upset at me now yeah blame me what you want to do blame me what you want for 2019 i've been awful sure but i'm gonna tell you this you have yet to have a decent quarterback in this city allow me to help create one so get off my back, and you will see that I'm going to create you a, fan, a franchise quarterback. Speak with your chest. That's what I'm talking about, Matt Nagy. Come out and say, you haven't had a quarterback here. I know what a quarterback looks like. Yeah, I had my drawbacks, and I've made my share of mistakes. It's my second year being a head coach, but I'm going to make a franchise quarterback here. And that's it. If it's Mitch, which I know it's not Mitch, because he sucks. And yeah, he's a great kid. He means well. He works hard, blah, blah, blah. You know, I don't care. When you suck at the position, you suck at the position. That's it. Not his fault. Well, you know what? You should have took yourself out of the draft. Or you should have went back to college or whatever. You took the money. You're the second pick in the draft. I don't know how you cannot get better when you have 10 coaches just relying or helping you get get better and you cannot get better. Man, oh man, it's just ridiculous. So the Bears brass, non-naggy, I'm talking about front office and the front office that been here for a while, not, not Ryan Pace, but even Ryan Pace's staff, but before that. Their scouts and staff cannot tell us anything about quarterback play and about talent. They have had a horrible collection of talent since the late 80s. You go through the 90s and the aughts and now the teens, the 20 teens. The Bears talent has been woeful, woeful. Starting with the quarterback, absolutely travesty. Moses Moreno, Cade McNown, Jim Miller, Eric Kramer, Steve DeBerg. 
Jonathan Quinn. Mitchell Trubisky. Jeff Burris. I mean, Peter Tom Willis. The list goes on and on. Cordell Stewart. They're just awful. That's why Jay Cutler is, oh, okay. Because that was a quarterback. Everybody else was shit. Everybody else was shit. And Jay Cutler played like shit. But he still was the most closest thing to a quarterback. Rex Grossman. I would even put Jay Cutler and then Kyle Orton under that because Kyle Orton was a legitimate quarterback. These other guys were just garbage. Just straight trash. I cannot believe this organization has had the the, the lack thereof ability to get a quarterback. I mean, and you go through the talent, through the talent pool. It's grotesque. Where your leading receivers or your high-level receivers are Curtis Conway, Jeff Graham. Oh, man. Your tight ends, Mark Boso. And you have good tight ends like Greg Olson, and you trade them. And you trade them. I mean... I, I don't get it. Your offensive lineman, Stan Harris or whatever his name was, and then you had Alonzo Spellman. Oh my God! For every for every three or four decent players the Bears have had in the last thirty years, they've had for every three, for every one decent player, they've had at least twenty awful players. At least. And this is the vaunted scouting team. The vaunted, the the talented ability in the front office. The front office is a joke. Scouting department is a joke. Ownership and president is a joke. Now, ownership can't do nothing much about it. At least George has done things where he has taken himself away. And he's allowed for the president to do his thing. And the president sucks. He's just too loyal. Somebody needs to come in and fire him or promote him. Just get him out of the room. He knows nothing about football. George McCaskey had to pull his brother, Michael McCaskey, who's of inept, inept ability to get talent in the front office, was proven fact when he had a debacle a debacle of a head coaching uh, hire when he when he went and said that McGinnis McGinnis was his coach and he and McGinnis is like I don't know what he's talking about we haven't agreed on nothing ah uh, a debacle the organization is trash whiskey wine Fridays today we're gonna be doing the legendary Buffalo Trace that's right Buffalo Trace for the bourbon whiskey. And the wine, Armondavi Bourbon Barrel.
At this point, I want to talk to you about Chicagoland Men's Health. It's a testosterone therapy clinic here in Chicago, Illinois. Dr. Michael Koff, Dr. Mark Andahar, they've helped me with the process and learning about my testosterone and where I want my testosterone levels to be at and help me with uh, getting the idea and getting, and getting educated on what I, needed, I need to do for my own health. And I recommend that you go check them out. Give them a call. Get a blood test at least. Find out where you're at and get the process started. Tell them E. Marquez sent you. And check them out at uh, chicagolandsmenshealth.com. And the phone number is 312-888-5655. Let them know that E. Marquez sent you. couple of things on the docket number one this love for Derek Rose and the oh he should have implemented load management when he was getting injured all the time it's tiresome don't forget that his version of load management was called general soreness so let's not get carried away here. Part of his rehabilitation was to play, is to play. I'll give you two examples on how that works. Number one, Seth Rollins in WWE. He blew out both his ACLs. One, a major ACL blowout or almost a total knee reconstruction. The other, a slight tear of his ACL. But the reason why he was able to continue to perform was because part of his rehab he had to work out he had to do his craft so that way the muscles around his ligament can get stronger another one Russell Wilson Russell Wilson I'm sorry Russell Westbrook Russell Russell Westbrook very similar injuries those of Derrick Rose and what did he do he came back and balled and played and still play above the rim. It's part of the re rehabilitation. Now, if you wanted to, load management uh, Derrick Rose and sit him out for three years. The problem with that was he's making $90 million. So you're just going to sit him on the side until, air quotes, he's ready to play? Look, the guy had his chance. The guy was polarizing, number one. The, he was polarizing. The main reason why he was polarizing was because he didn't talk. He did a lot of a lot of people did the talking for him. He had B.J. Armstrong and his brother doing a lot of the talking, doing a lot of these things. He didn't go off and get second and third opinions, which he should have. You know, Derrick Rose had his stint here in Chicago. He could have been an all-time great. He's gonna go down in infamy because he's going to be. The only MVP never to make the Hall of Fame. So the thing is that we can stop with the Derrick Rose love. We can stop with the Derrick Rose apologist. Because he's gone. He's not here no more. Okay? Yeah, of course there's going to be Derrick Rose fans. I'm a, a Ivan Rodriguez fan. And I'm going to be an Ivan Rodriguez fan. Sure. But Derrick Rose, Derrick Rose doesn't deserve any more or any less of what he gotten when he was here. So let's get it, let's get it over with. Number two is the Chicago White Sox make their greatest move of all time in signing 
their highest paid contract in the history of the Chicago White Sox. And that history stems out about close to 100 years. Maybe even more than that. Actually, sorry, I'm thinking about the Bears. But it's actually close to 150 years. The Chicago White Sox have been around for so long and their largest contract, of course, you would have to use inflation back then, but their largest contract is four years, $73 million. My thing was, my first my first initial thought is this. Well, now I know Castellanos is making more than what they project him to make when they said he was going to get four years, $58 million. That guy can arguably be the best hitter in the game today. And you're going to tell me that he's only going to make $58 million? You're, you're sickening. You're sickening. And yeah, the best hitter because he can do whatever. Whatever. And he's a winner. He can do it anywhere. Mike Trout is a great player. And is a great hitter. He's an analytical player. So, hey, Castellanos legitimately can hit the baseball anywhere, everywhere, whenever he wants. So he's going to make up above $100 million, that's for sure. Now, back to the White Sox. Getting Yasmani Grandel. Okay, what does that do for you? Yasmani Grandel is vastly overrated. He's a pitch framer. Sure, still use some strikes. Okay, he doesn't come through in the clutch. Yasmani Grandel got overpaid by a whole bunch. Yasmani Grandel cannot throw base runners out. So live with that, White Sox. It's, you, you guys are very happy with that signing. You could have got that kind of signing with a bag of baseballs. It doesn't matter. Anyway, Yasmani Grandel, horrible. But, hey, it gives the White Sox something to cheer about. Hello, my distinguished podcast listeners. Lo persona de lo high class. How are we today? How are you doing today? I'll be real here. The thing is, the understand this. Understand that today's NBA players, and like I heard recently from Rich, he says, what's wrong with these players? Why are they breaking down all of a sudden? Yeah, yeah. They need load management. I thought they were bigger, stronger, faster. Yeah, they're bigger. They're not as strong. They're not as tough. That's for sure. They're making way too much money because the money is the reason why they're sitting down. LeBron James has played 17 years in the NBA. And there's no there's no look of him stopping. But he's going to go down as one of the greats. One of the top two, top three players of all time, sure. But let me ask you this. What is it that LeBron did for his 17 years that makes him any better than Akeem Olajuwon? Than Charles Barkley? Then Shaquille O'Neal. And those guys spent about three, four years in the college game developing their basketball game. LeBron James is one of a kind. He's the only one that can come into the NBA, make an impact, and continue to get better. Kobe Bryant came into the NBA, sat out, learned the NBA ways, then played with like mega greats like Shaq, like Gasol, like others, amongst others. And he was able to make himself into a great basketball player. But there's nothing like LeBron. Other than that, these kids that are coming into the NBA today, it's appalling. It's unwatchable. It's sloppy basketball. It's bad basketball. 
for every one or two highlight reels, wow, ooh, ah, e, ooh, you get nothing but duds. For every one or two of those, you get 10, 20, 15 duds of plays. You get bricks. You get missed free throws. You get just bad, bad basketball. The college game is basically unwatchable today. It's unwatchable. The only time it is watchable is during the NCAA tournament. But that's because they've developed, they've been playing, they've been seasoned. But honestly, it is vastly unwatchable. You cannot watch Northwestern play Norfolk State. You can't watch in Illinois play Chaminade because the brand of basketball is pathetic. It is the worst. And the NBA is just as bad. The NBA is bad. It is the worst. Look it. We got the big three, which is a three-on-three basketball. Then we got the basketball tournament. See, the things that those things are, those events are events. They're different style. They're different basketball. The NBA is supposed to be the cream of the crop, the best of the best. The only thing the NBA is is just super great athletes. That's it. They're super great athletes. No, I want to see super great athletes play basketball. I want to see real basketball. I don't need to see these, you know, clunkers of games and these times where basketball teams are going four to six minutes without scoring a basket and they're shooting 10, 12 times in that period. It's not like the defense is doing anything to stymie them. It's all the fact that they cannot play the game of basketball. It's ridiculous. The 1990s is the greatest era of basketball. Pure, simple, and athletic basketball. Some of the most all-time greats. It will, there will never be a decade with more greats than that. There will never be a decade with more greats than where it was in, in the NBA in 1990s and in the college game in the 90s. Never, 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 never. Because these guys want the ultimate dollar and they don't produce. They just showed a clip on Kobe Bryant's detail where he showed Scottie Pippen defending the whole left side of the court versus, I believe it was the, um, uh, it was a versus the Utah Jazz. And he's defending the whole left side of the court. He defends the on-the-ball dribbler. Then the the, uh, the, the on-the-ball dribbler sends it down to the paint or in the post, down by the baseline. Scotty doubles on that guy, comes out, back to the on-the-ball dribbler on the three-point line. They pass it up to the top of the key to a forward. Scotty trails that guy. He's in his face. It's remarkable. Meanwhile, you have the Greek freak who is defending one guy going to the basket, and then that guy kicks it out to a, for a, a, a pick and roll, a pick and pop, and the Greek freak just stops. and says, uh, my, my want to doesn't want to defend that. When he can easily, and he's got the ability to just throw himself out there. And he doesn't do it. This is what I'm talking about. This is what I mean by being the want to and the excellence of playing the game. It's, it's just gone to trash. It's gone to shit. They've had seven years of losing baseball. And they're not even close to winning. 
Okay? So stop with it. As next, number three. The thing that we're using in this NBA culture. The fact that the NBA... The NBA is nothing to write home about. And all these NBA fans want to say, oh, watching games in the 90s. was It's like watching paint dry. Or it's like watching syrup uh, come out of the jug uh, when you pour syrup. It's, it's so slow. It's mundane. You have just big, bulky dudes in the middle, not going nowhere. Yeah, but the effort, the effort, the fundamentally sound the basketball players the shooting percentages the efficiency of shots being able to score now we're going past before the 90s but being able to score 125 130 points without the use of a three-point line is magnificent is it's incredible how really nobody cares if Jimmy Butler is in town. Nobody cares about what happens to Miles Garrett for swinging the helmet. And nobody gives a shit about these guys' opinions. Look, for me, talking to you guys here on Caught Stealing with E. Marquez is more like I'm just ranting and raving. I'm just giving you a fan's perspective. Maybe I can entertain you a bit. But these guys think that their information or that their news means something. It it doesn't. Carmen DeFalco from ESPN Radio 1000 comes off as a guy that says things that People really just be like, oh, okay, uh, who cares? Like he says, Luka Doncic from the Mavericks, that it's remarkable that he's doing what he's doing and he's only he's not even 21. Look at I have come to learn that age in sports, in professional sports, has no relevance. Because in a year or in a landing or a bad layup or a wrong turn, on a route, a bad jump, a big hit, that career can be over. Derrick Rose, um, Wendell Davis from way back when in the Bears. You, you, the list goes on and on. These injuries can happen in an instant, and there goes a so-called promising career. Oh, no, this is another thing. How about when a player gets comes up as a youngster, 20, uh, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, and all of a sudden he has that stigma of that type of player. He can never crack that type of player, meaning Kyle Schwarber. He came up as a 24, 23-year-old. He already got shifts against him while he was playing as a youngster. He can't crack that. He can make the adjustment and hit the ball the other way. The only way he can hit the ball the other way if it's for a home run. He's already he's already labeled a certain player. Mitchell Trubisky. He's already labeled a certain player being so young. Age doesn't matter. Now, 
when it did matter for LeBron James, see, LeBron James is 34, 35, or he's 33, 34, 35, something like that. 17th year in the, in, in the, in the NBA. It matters with that kind of player because he's been able to stay healthy, longevity. But there's nothing like him. And you look at these guys, Kobe Bryant. Well, how many years he spent in the league? 20? 20 years, and out of those 20 years, he had about 16, 17 were relevant because his first two years weren't because he was still on the bench. He wasn't a starter. Then his last few years, he was just stat stuffing. But LeBron James has been relevant his whole 17 years. And there's nothing else like it. There's no other uh, Miles, Sebastian Terrafair. There's no other high school player that's been around for that long. You got players with careers that are in the 14, 15, 16 year Elton Brand, but he really didn't make a difference. You know, this is the problem. These young guys are really, eh, who cares? It's what have you done for me lately, and can you make adjustments? The professional, the superstars are the ones that have career years several times in their career. Just imagine that. Imagine that. And it's, I mean, we can talk about news. We can talk about sports news. Then all of a sudden, it's like, eh, who cares? You know, talking about, you know, the sports news. Like for me, sports news, breaking news, that matters. But that's it. It's the breaking news. I don't care the relevance. I don't care if it's a breaking news for MLB. What does that mean for the Cubs? Nothing. If there's a big trade in football, what does that mean for the Bears? Nothing. Nothing. These guys want to make it something. They want to make it a thing. It's dumb. And because overall radio sucks, too much commercials, same music, same songs, you know, in sports radio, you have just irrelevant talk and it's the same talk from nine o'clock to three o'clock. It's just background noise. Understand you're just background noise, irrelevance. And it's crazy. For me, I come out here telling a story. I come out here telling you things about the way I look at the sports world. But the thing is, sports world is my life. But I have so much other things that are tied into it. I ha- I go off and do my thing as if it was a game. I go watch different things, do different things, try to accomplish different tasks. Like if it's a game, like if it's a nine-inning game, four-quarter game. So I, I have a difference between these idiots on the radio. And I can care less. Like I have a couple guys I would love to you know, have on my podcast. But overall, in general, those guys, because of who they are as people or what they portray themselves as people, is what I'm interested in. What they do on the radio, I know they got they got to get viewers. Or I got to get listeners. Sorry, not viewers. But, I mean, I would love to, I'm going to, I mean, I would love, I'm going to attempt to have Gabe, Gabe Ramirez from B96. That's because he's a Latino guy. He played the sport that I love, which is fast pitch softball. He played at Humboldt Park, so he's from my neighborhood. Um, Yurko, if, if, if Yurko would love to entertain us, because he is an entertainer, uh, that would be great. Waddle would be great. The Catman, because I would just love to go toe-to-toe with the Catman. But other than that, I can care less. Care less. I don't need no Sylvie. Don't need no DeFalco. 
I mean, Mike North would be interesting because of his history in radio and how radio has changed over the decades that he's been involved with it. But no Dan McNeil, Parkins, I don't care about Bernstein, don't care about none of those guys. Don't need no Lawrence Holmes, uh, Hall, and Z-Pack, and Mully, don't care about none of them. And I don't care what they'll wind up saying about me because, you know, they, they always got something to say. But for me, for what I understand is this guy, these guys try to make themselves so relevant, you know, and, and, and they're not. They got to accept the fact that even a listener on a diehard sports guy can care less for what they're saying. They're going to have, they, they need to change up to what they do or under, or accept the fact that they might not be relevant after 10, 12 years of having the radio show. So I just figured, I just found it to be, I just find it to be interesting that they have no idea, no idea how irrelevant they are. I'm starting to believe how irrelevant sports. Well, thank you for listening today. Like I said, next week, we're going to have some interesting topics. So keep an eye out for that. And I look forward to entertaining you some more or enjoy. I entertain myself by entertaining you guys. All right, take care now. Bye-bye then. <laughs>